0: I, when I was in college studying to be a pastor, one of the things we had to do was internships. It's not surprising. You get to go and observe, be a fly on the wall for different things in the church leadership world. And one of those particular events I got to go observe was an was a elder board meeting. These are kind of like your board of directors for the church. Uh, we have elders here. They're elected by you guys, and they set the vision. They, have the, uh, they, the, they oversee the senior pastor. So it was a big deal to be invited to this meeting. And as intern, they're like, look, you can only stay for the beginning, but then you have to leave, because we're gonna talk about some big deal, confidential stuff, so it's great. And uh, I was going, now a little background you have to know is that particular night before, I was up extremely late doing studious things, like reading my Bible, and praying, and playing a lot of video games. I was, I was mostly playing some video games. Sorry, let's be honest. Can't lie in church. Okay, but I was up late. I was really up late and I go into this meeting. I'm a little tired and uh, at one point in the meeting, early on, it was a couple minutes in, they decided to pray. And so I fold my hands, close my eyes, you know. And the guy that was praying had a buttery voice, just a smooth buttery voice and you know I was tired and (laughs) so I was so deep in prayer that I fell asleep and I was told it felt like you know two minutes but I was told that after about 20 minutes of just this they the, the, the elders were like you know trying to figure out what to do with this and the thing is is like you know, because I was in this posture, they just thought, he's working stuff out. This is the most godly intern we've ever had. And I twitch a little bit when I'm sleeping. I mumble like nonsensical, like pickle shoes, I think I said, or something. And I'm just there and, and they're like, he's, it's, we don't know what pickle shoes are, we should all probably pray for that. But I, what happened was, and then I, so I start to wake up and this is it was the kind of waking up that you do when you're like, you don't open your eyes right away, but you're waking up, right? Like in the morning, you're like, you're not, your eyes aren't open, but you're kind of like, ah, oh, it's morning, you can smell bacon or whatever it is. So like, I'm like waking up like that. I'm like, why are all these people in my dorm room? Why, why is my professor in my dorm room? <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I am not in my dorm room. And I'm like, and then you're like, well, where am I? Like, wh- why, are, why, what am I doing? <laughs> you're like thinking, you're trying to like remember the last thing you can remember. And then I'm like, oh no. So I realize where I'm at. And then you start going through stuff like, do I just, what do I do now? <laughs> I just, I'm just thinking, hold on, what am I gonna do? What's the, what's the exit strategy? Do I just like pretend to throw up and run out of the room? It was like that bad. I don't know if you ever been in a situation where you're like, I'm gonna pretend to go into cardiac arrest right now. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I have to create a bigger problem than this problem to not deal with this problem. So, so I, I just like, I had a plan and so this is what I did. This is what I did. I just waited until there was a, like a lull in the conversation, until it got kind of quiet. And I just immediately opened my eyes and looked up at everybody, tried to make a scene. And they all like looked at me and I said, amen, amen. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, they <laughs> got one guy's like, he goes, he puts his hand on me, he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I am now. I'm great now, I'm fine now, <laughs> but I should leave. <laughs> I have some things to attend to in my life. So I left and that was it. And then, and they, to this day, they think I'm the godliest guy they've ever graduated. And you know the truth now, that I just fell asleep and then lied about it. So we're gonna talk about prayer today. And if we're honest, maybe maybe you've never fallen asleep in prayer, but you know, if we're honest, man, it's like, it gets so busy, you know, like I don't have time or, You just, you start trying to pray, and you're like, where do I start? Like, what do I say? And uh, we just, we don't do it. And look, if there's one one person in the Bible that probably reserved the right to not set aside time to pray, like carving out of his schedule to pray, it'd probably be Jesus, right? Like, debatably, him just thinking thoughts is prayer, right, he's God. So like just a thought is a prayer. So he certainly doesn't need to carve out time in his schedule, and yet, this is what we know of Jesus from Luke chapter five, here it is, this is what we know. Jesus regularly, often, withdrew, paused what he was doing and went into the wilderness for prayer. He set aside time and a place for it. I don't know, do we do, I don't know. We just reduce it to God thoughts, I guess, just thinking God thoughts is prayer. And part of it is, I don't think it's because we don't want to pray. or we're, you're, we're, if Part of it is we're all actually overwhelmed with the idea of like talking to God. Like, what do you say? Like, where do you start? He knows what I'm going to say before I say it. Well, what do I do? What's the process? That's part of why I think we don't, we don't do it. So if we could just get some handlebars today on like how to do this, I think, I think we would do it. More of us would do it. I mean, let, let's be honest. If Aaron Rodgers was like, hey, I need 15 minutes of your schedule. I would love your thoughts on the draft coming up and the offense from last year, what do you think? Can I get your advice? You would tell that story for the rest of your life. If you, I mean, you would say, oh, I got to, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I had to like five minutes, 15 minutes, got to tell him what I thought. And he listened, he actually heard me and thought, you know, made some points. And yet we get to talk to the almighty God who created all of us and we just are like, oh, I'm busy, you know? Or we treat it like it's the, it's the garnish, like I'm gonna pray about the real work that I have to do in my life and the progress I really wanna make in my life. And prayer is the support to help me do this. I think, honestly, if we really, if we really grasped the reality of what's happening when we pray, we would almost never wanna do anything else. We almost would not wanna do anything other than pray. So let's, let's actually try to understand how to pray. And the reason we're doing this is because Lent is so often associated not just with fasting but with prayer. Lent is a tradition, it's not in the Bible. But it's based on a portion of Jesus' ministry where for 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted. And in the ancient world, when they read that, when they read he fasted, they just know he's talking about prayer as well. You don't just fast and not pray. Part of fasting is that every time those pangs of for hunger or the desire you have for whatever you're fasting from, it's supposed to trigger and remind you to talk to God. Pray, talk to God. You depend on him. He's your source of bread or life. And so Jesus obviously was praying and fasting. And it's a reminder of something that's a reality, but we don't realize it often. You know, we go into autopilot. We just have Amazon shipping everything to our life. We don't think we actually depend on God every minute, but we do. We're just not aware of that reality. I mean, a lot of us think it's mostly me and a little bit of God. You know, a lot of us think my life, where I'm at, mostly me, and God God helped a little bit. You know, that's what we think. But the reality is, is this mostly God? (laughs) It's like my, it's all God and a little bit of us if you want to do that. I mean, let's be honest, we could have been born on a mountain in Tibet and no matter how hard you work, you're just, it's not going to change anything. So we are, we're given what we have because of God. We, We depend on him for everything, but we don't realize it. We go into autopilot and fasting is a moment or is a time when you can pause and remember every minute of my life is dependent on God and prayer is a part of it. Well, Jesus taught on prayer. A few chapters after the whole uh, fasting time, he's teaching and he actually teaches on prayer and that's where we're gonna be Matthew chapter six. I'll start in verse five. This is what Jesus says. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, before we get to the Lord's Prayer, which is coming up and we'll teach on it, there's so much in this passage. You could do like a whole 10 weeks on prayer. But um, this particular section is Jesus saying what prayer isn't. Now, like I said, you should pray on your way to work. You should talk to God when you're cleaning the dishes, doing yard work. You should pray, I mean, you should pray all the time. But Jesus, again, he set aside time to do it as well. And when he did that, it was just him and God. It was just private, him and the Father. Now, here's what he's saying. Number one, if you only pray in public, If you only pray for dinner when your kids are around and you're like, well, it's a good dad-mom thing to do is to pray before the food. If you only pray before the Bible study, if you only pray before the meat, if you only pray around people and you never pray privately, that's the acid test. That's the litmus test, according to Jesus, of a hypocrite. And I know that that word sounds harsh. You're like, ah, you should call me a hypocrite. Listen, I have a huge heart for hypocrites because I am one and I've been one and we're all one. Okay, I'm a forgiven, recovering hypocrite. It is really, really hollow. If you're one right now, if you're like, I live this life out there, and then when I come to church, I pretend to be someone else. Let me tell you something. I have a heart for you, because that is a hollow life. You don't even know who you are. You're like, am I this person, or am I the person at work? Am I the person at school? Am I, that's a, that's a lonely, that is a lonely life. So it's actually, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't, don't fillet yourself from the inside out by being a hypocrite. Pray publicly and privately. In fact, Jesus commanded people to pray publicly. You'll see in a passage in Luke, we'll, we'll go to today, he actually tells the disciples to pray, he commands them, and he gets mad at them when they don't pray together. So praying publicly is good, but he's saying if you only pray, and you never pray privately, and you only pray in public, is a hypocrite, and here's why. You're really not praying to God. When you pray and you're only doing it for the people that are listening, You're really not praying to God, you're kinda just trying to fit into a social construct thing, a religious-like group. And God's like, I want want a relationship with you, I wanna know you, I want us to do stuff together. Not just to show yourself acceptable to other people. So first, private. Your prayer life should be both public, but it should be private as well. Second thing he talks about is this word babbling. That word, in the, it might have been Aramaic when he said it, but in the, in the Greek that it's written, it really just means hollow words. It, it just means the words are empty. And here's what, here's what empty words are. Empty words are empty because they don't match up with what's in your heart. So if you're just saying certain words that are floral or flowery or kind of you know, religious prayer words, it's empty, it's It's babbling. And and here's why, because God hears the voice of the heart. That's the voice he hears, he knows it. And I I know you might be saying, no, I'm just trying to be respectful. I'm just trying to be honoring and reverent. Well, you can be reverent in here too. And, And the truth is, if you're trying to be reverent in here and you're trying to express that, that's fine. But if you're just trying to say things that sound good in your prayers, you're really just pulling God like a lever, like a vending machine. You're actually just trying to manipulate the divine You're trying to say some magic words that you want to appease him with so you get something. You're really not talking to him. He wants more for that. He wants a relationship. He knows what's in your heart. So here's the key. Pray the real, not the ideal. Just pray what's real. Tell him what's down there. You can't deal with what's down there unless you bring it up here. It's hollow. Just anything else is hollow. So, I'm gonna use these two words. They're not great, but they're they're two P words and they, rhyme, they don't rhyme, but they're kind of help, helping you remember. Private and passionate. The first two things we get is prayer needs to be private and it should be passionate. I don't mean feeling, I just mean from the heart. It's honest with God. Now, so that's, he actually starts out by saying, here's how not to pray, so that's the inverse. Then he says, here's how to pray. And this is the passage that, some, many of you may know, it's the, it's the Lord's Prayer. But here's what I'm gonna do. Before we read it, I know this might catch you guys off guard a little bit, but I'm gonna ask you something. Don't listen to the words. And I'm not saying the words are important, but we just read where Jesus says, if words don't match up with your heart, which God knows, then they're hollow. And, and let's be honest some of us, even myself, we probably prayed the Lord's prayer in a hollow babbling way. You can babble the Lord's prayer because it doesn't match up with what's in here. It doesn't mean anything to you. And so if you turn these words into just magic, like a magic uh, open sesame kind of thing, then they're just words. So what we're going to do here is we're going to read these words, but here's what I want you to look for. I want you to hear the voice of the heart behind the words. That's what I'm going to teach on. Jesus is saying, pray like this, not pray these exact words. So let's hear the heart behind the words, all right? The heart behind the words. Now there's two major heart postures in this prayer, and I'm only gonna read the first one because that's the first half of the prayer. The first half of the prayer is completely different than the posture of the second half of the prayer. So let's listen to the first heart behind this first half of this prayer. Verse nine. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So after the sermon, as is the case with every sermon I preach, people come up to me and they say, that was the best sermon ever. Yeah. You don't need to laugh that hard, okay. (laughs) People will say, that was great. And then I'll go home and I'll feel great. And then my one-year-old, Elias, is gonna come right up and wipe his sticky, drooly mouth on my nice jeans. And then at the same time, Adeline's gonna spill her juice on the carpet and I'm gonna be on my hands and knees scraping it up. And then Elias is gonna do something that's really gross. And then I'm gonna have to change that. And then Daddy's and then gonna break a toy and be like, Daddy, fix it, and he Elias, I can't reach this, I'm gonna have to reach something for him, and what am I gonna do? I'm gonna do it. Why? Because no matter what my business card says, no matter how hallowed my name is at work, whatever, a good dad gets on his hands, and knees, and cleans up the juice for his kids. That's what a good dad does. You need to hear this thing this is maybe the only thing you needed to say. This is why God had you here. No matter how low the name of God is, no matter how many Grand Canyons he's etched out on the earth and how many galaxies he's keeping spinning and alive and well in in the universe, when his kids call on him, when they spill the juice, how little it is, he's a good dad. He's the best dad. He gets on his hands and knees, he takes care of it. You ever wonder, man, is my my stuff, is it too small? Like, I mean, the world's got problems. Look at 2020, the world has problems, right? It's big stuff. And then I come to God and I got stuff for him. Does he care? Is he listening? What's a good dad do? No matter what the business card says, the CEO mom, the CEO dad, when they get home and their kids need something, whatever it is, they're there. They're gonna help them when their kids have needs. Your God, hallowed be his name, he is your father. He's your father, that's the first thing. It's like, God, how should we address you? Call me dad, is what he says. And he's not just the dad, he's my dad, my father. See, when I introduce Elias and Addie, I might tell you, I might say, this is, this is my Addie. this is my Elias. And what, that's a term of endearment, they're mine, they're my kids. It's mine. That's so intimate. God doesn't want to just be the God, the Father. He wants to be your dad, our God, our Father. It's intimate. It's loving. He loves you. That's what he wants. But let me tell you something. Some of you, we got got that down. Some of us, we feel close to God. We know he loves us. But I'm going to give you the second part about this. Hallowed be his very name. Just say in his name, hallowed, other, holy, almighty, nothing like me, as Isaiah 55 says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so his thoughts are, and his perspective and his understanding is from mine. He is so almighty, so holy, so hallowed. And let me tell you something, if God is just your buddy in your pocket, okay, that doesn't do you any good. And if he's just hallowed in this almighty, incredibly, enormously powerful God, and he's not your friend, and he's not your, your, your father, that does you no good either. But if you just have the friendship without the lordship, you don't even begin to get to your real problems, okay? If God does, if you don't have a God who can convict you, tell you you're wrong, tell you, tell, forgive you, then, I mean, you've tried forgiving yourself. That doesn't work, right? You're like, I forgive myself. And you're like, something inside you goes, you can't forgive yourself. You need God to say, you're forgiven. Look, if you're, you're, if you're just gonna be God, you are grossly unqualified for that job. You haven't even begun to get to your problems yet in your prayer. If God is not your Lord, if he's not the almighty, powerful God that he is. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. I just wanna give you a quote, I think this is summing up what I'm trying to say. He says it better. He says, life's basic decision is rarely, if ever, whether to believe in God or not, but whether to worship or compete with him. Let me tell you something. Have if you, if you skipped that part? Do you even feel better when you pray? I mean, is it making, helping you? Like, God, like, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, amen, okay. And you go off, you're about your day, and none of it happens. You're like, well, prayer doesn't work. You feel better? Is that even working for you? Listen to me. The first fifty percent of the Lord's prayer has nothing to do with your requests. If you did that, I mean, think about this. If you did this, fifteen minutes a day, fifteen minutes a day, and for half of those fifteen minutes, do the listen. Some of you like prayer doesn't work. You've not been praying. This is what prayer is. Half of it, nay, I mean like I think 99% of it is just showing up and just enjoying and noticing and acknowledging God and his enormous power and his almighty holiness and your position with him, your relationship with him, your access to him as your father and focusing on his kingdom, his name, his will, 50% of the prayer. I gotta believe you do that. Prayer's gonna work. And if you're like, I don't know his kingdom. I don't know his will. It's right here. Spend some time then. Pray this thing. Read it. And then say, okay, Lord, this is what your kingdom's about. This is what your, your values are. This is what you get angry about. This is what you get happy about. This is what breaks your heart. It's gonna break my heart. You start to get to know God. You start praying that and say, Lord, I want your kingdom. I want your will. And I want your name, not my name, not my kingdom, and not my will. 50% of the prayer. Man, I think you just do that. I could end this sermon right now. You'd be like, I just don't do that. So I'm gonna just do that. That's your one thing today. You just take that home and say, okay, I'm gonna just try 50%. But like the Lord's prayer, the heart of it, 50% is all about God's name, God's kingdom, and his will, not mine. I think here's what you're doing. Before you list off your requests, and we're gonna get to it. Look, Jesus, he has requests. there's, There's a, you need to ask God for stuff. He wants you to. He expects you to. He wants you to. But if you skip this first part, I don't think prayer. I, think prayer is work. I don't think it's going to help you. It's not going to help you. It's not really even prayer. Let me tell you something. You need to collect your identity first before you request things. Collect your identity, all of it—the the incredible Almighty God and who He is, and your position with Him as your son and as His son and daughter. Collect that first. Collect that first, then we'll get to the request. I bet it'll change how you ask for them. It might even change what you're asking for. So let's get to it. Here's the request. These are the requests that Jesus gives us. This is just the next, the petition part of the prayer. Give us this day, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Um, requests are important big, medium, and small you gotta bring all of them daily bread that is a great example of something that could be a big deal or something that could be a small deal either way the Bible's consistent it's not bad again he's your heavenly father little things hey dad can you get this for me I can't reach it little that's little I can't reach it can you give ask him ask little things big, medium, and small and let me tell you something the more you ask God for your needs medium small ones little ones big ones Honestly, what's gonna happen the more dependent you're gonna be on him? It's gonna just turn your heart. You're just gonna realize, like, I actually depend on God every minute of the day. And it will turn your heart away from being dependent on things that will fail you. It will, it will turn it. Let me tell you something. Here's what happens. Our bread... We get our daily bread. Then we're like, okay, I need some bread for tomorrow as well. So you try to gather up as much bread as you can. You're trying to gather, save up that daily bread that He's given you for like next week, so you don't have to, you don't need to depend on God. Let me tell you something. God will never lead you to a place where you'll depend on Him less. There, there's no, there's no like, one day I won't need God as much. <laughs> he doesn't want that for you. Why would He? He loves you too much, in a good way. He's jealous. It says the Bible is jealous for you. Like, you know. If, if I told Hannah that I wasn't interested in her anymore, anymore and it didn't bother her, that's a scary marriage, right? No, God's like, I want you. He's not gonna lead you to a place where you don't want him. So that bread, if you keep storing it up, diversify that bread portfolio, right? got diversify the thing and you know, protect it, put like protection around it. What happens is you end up becoming not dependent on God to give it to you, but you start becoming dependent on your ability to maintain it and take care of it and store it and grow it. It becomes dependent on yourself. So asking God for your daily needs, not so much your tomorrow's wants up, but day, like today, what you need, go into him regularly asking. He wants you to ask because he's relational. It's not wishing. Wishing is different. You know, the, like Wishing is like, I wish for this, trying to say magic words, getting something from God. Asking is just simply relationship. I'm dependent, God, this is what I need today. This is, this is my needs right now in my life. I'm bringing you to, the, to, you to them. Can you help me with this? this he asks you to do that. Now look at the way he's he's asking though. Look at the way Jesus is describing this. Give us, right? Forgive us, deliver us. The way that those are written in the English and in the original language they're written in, you you could almost argue they're commands, right? Give us, deliver us, forgive us. It's kind of can be kind of like your boss and God around. And listen, I'm not saying God's your employee, but let me tell you something. God expects you to ask boldly. Now, how can that be? We're supposed to be reverent, right? We're supposed to be reverent and honoring, know our place and our size compared to God. Let me tell you something. You can be reverent and you can be bold at the exact same time. You can be reverent and bold in your requests at the same time. And here's the thing, God expects you to, why? Because they both boot off the same hard drive. They both come from the same place. Your reverence for God is because of who he is. And what he's accomplished. And how amazing his love is for you. And you, your reverence for God is based on who he is. And your, your boldness to go before him and ask him for things and say, give us this. Forgive me and deliver me. The boldness that you ask him, that comes from the same place. It's the same place. It's what Christ did on the cross for you. It's because of his sacrifice. His goodness, not yours. And you're confident in it. Some of you, listen, to you need to almost repent. I know it sounds hard to hear. But you almost say, God, God, I am sorry for being so timid. Because it, it it dishonors, it dishonors the gift and the full rights of your sonship and daughtership in him. He went through the cross for you to be able to stand and address him as father and experience that kind of intimacy and access. And for you to be timid about it almost, it's, it's almost dishonoring. I know it's hard to hear. You're like, I'm not trying to be dishonoring, but. But be bold, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Let me tell you, when Addie, today, we're gonna watch golf today. She doesn't know it yet. (laughs) But it's what what I do, I come home and I like to watch golf. And by watch, I mean fall asleep to a man whispering in my ear, it's gonna move right to left. (laughs) And birds chirping and the sound of summer. And, but when my up, this is what she'll do. She'll, in any sport, she'll be like, Dad, when am I going to get to see you play? When are you going to beat these guys? Huh? And I remember as I'm at that age where my kids think I can do literally anything. And I love it, right? Don't you love it? It's like, you don't get mad at them. You get like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> and then one day they're going to be teenagers and they're going to be like, you can do nothing, nothing. <laughs> You are the worst. <laughs> but uh, God loves it when we ask him for things and we know we can do it. Listen, some of you pray prayers and, and part of it is you're asking for stuff and your heart's saying, nah, probably. your heart is saying, nah, probably not. Don't do that. Don't let your heart say no for God. Just say, Lord, I'm, I'm just not gonna say no for you. You say no, you can say no, but I'm not gonna let my heart say no for you. When I pray, I'm gonna assume that you're gonna say yes and if you're not, it's gonna be even better because no is always better if it's God's no. So don't let your heart doubt like that. Just, again, stand boldly in what God gives you. He's, it's his gift, honor the gift. Honor God by asking boldly. So ask for things, bring your requests. And, and lastly, I'll say this, and there's a lot in the deliver and the forgiveness part, but what you're doing there is you're getting your relationships right. Ask for your relationships to get right. Let me, forgiveness is one of those things that it is the best way to right-size you. When you ask for forgiveness and deliverance from, from temptation you evil, you're, you're a delivered sinner or a forgiven debtor. And that keeps you perfectly in the right place of mind. You don't think too little of yourself because you're forgiven. You do need to hate yourself, you're forgiven. It's done, it's paid for. You stand where you are, right there, totally forgiven. But you can't think too much of yourself either, right? Because you're a forgiven debtor. Forgiven debtor, delivered sinner. You, you are delivered, you are forgiven. It just perfectly, if you struggle with thinking too low of yourself, it's not like you need to think better of yourself. You just need to know you're forgiven. If you think too high of yourself, it's not that you need to like think low of yourself, it's just you know you're forgiven. You're forgiven, you're delivered. This is how you right-size yourself and your relationships. So to recap here, you gotta pray privately in addition to publicly. You gotta pray passionately, meaning just, just your heart. Just bring your heart in, be real about what's down there. And you gotta bring your petitions so Lord you got to you got to you got to bring your uh, you got to you got to get your position right first. Bring your petition. Don't not ask God for stuff. Don't just think God thoughts and then uh, I'm not going to ask. Ask him, but collect your identity first. Spend time there. God is both friend and Lord. And then bring your requests to him, your petitions and those are requests and deal with your relationships as well. That's the way I'm trying to put this together for you. But what if God says no? You ever wonder if you're a second-class Christian because it's really hard when God says no to an unanswered prayer? Let me tell you something. You don't need to wonder if you're a second-class Christian because you grieve an unanswered prayer request. And I know that because our God gave us that example. Let's take a look. This is in Luke. This is Jesus praying right before he goes to the cross. Accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left where he had the last supper in the upstairs room. He went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. And there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Walked about a stone's throw away. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done not mine I have a will it's not this but deeper than that I want your will before you get to your requests you have this moment where you have to tell God your will not mine you know what makes it just a little bit easier to do is to do that knowing that God actually prayed that prayer and said no to himself he said no to his son and the reason, the reason that the father said no to the son right there is because of you and because of me and because of everybody in this room. God said, the father said no to his son for us. So we know, we know that when he tells us no, when he tells us no, it's not, it's not to hurt us. It is actually for us because Jesus got told no for us. Jesus got told, Jesus had a prayer and God said no to it. And the cost of his no was way higher, way more painful than any no we'll ever get. And so we can trust and know and trust him that when we go to him and when we pray and we bring our requests, we can stand boldly, we can stand reverently, and we can also stand completely surrendered to whatever he says because we know and trust he loves us. Listen, you pray like this. You make this a part of your life. You know, I work out, I eat healthy, I do these things. But you know what I also do? I pray a lot. I pray privately. I make time to do nothing but talk to God. You do it the way that Jesus, Not I don't, I don't care about your way, this is the way I do it. You do it the way that Jesus says, this is prayer. This is how you pray. You do it this way. Let me tell you something. God may not change your circumstances. He might, but he may say no. But let me tell you what it will do. He might not change your circumstances, but he will absolutely change you in your circumstances. He will change you in them. He will deal with this. He will be here. The deeper the pain gets, the stronger his embrace will get. He will deal here. You spend time the way Jesus did at least half of it or more on who he is and your relationship with him and the confidence you have in just simply knowing him and him knowing your name and his power. You spend time there. He may not change your circumstances, but he will definitely change you. church let's stand and we're going to spend a little bit of time singing here but i'm going to pray that even in this last few minutes god would do it he would just turn the gears just a little bit and i'll ask with the confidence and the boldness of being an adopted son of god so i'll ask you can borrow my confidence but let me pray for us lord You are good, you are faithful, and you made a promise, not us. These are your words, not ours. You finish what you start. You said, I will finish the good work I began in you. Lord, you're beginning a good work in some people here today. And let them know that when God starts something, people can't end it. Circumstances can't end it. Pandemics can't end it. Nothing can end it. Because you started it and you're God. So Lord, I'm asking that you would turn the gears, you would make progress, you would take new territory, you would build more trust in people's hearts even right now in this last moment, that they would stand firmer on you, not in their ability to hoard or collect all the daily bread, but they would simply trust to know that it'll be there for them tomorrow because of you you and your love for them. Help us to stand firmly on you and you alone. In Jesus name I pray.